listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B. And this is episode number 42, Self-Discipline. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to see you again, even though I don't see you at all, you guys. Hello, and welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. And I know, I know that this was like super duper tiny, but... But did you notice that the intro was just a little tiny bit different? That I actually told you the title during the intro? I know it's subtle, but it occurred to me that sometimes it actually takes me a while to get to the point of what I'm saying. What a surprise! You've met me. I ramble. But I thought to myself, self, this would be a really good idea so that you guys already know. I know you clicked on it. I know you already saw the title, probably. But this way, you know right from the get-go exactly which episode you're listening to and what the topic is going to be. Let me know if, if you like that, if it made any difference, if you noticed it at all. <laughs> or if you really just want me to get to the point. <laughs> you guys, I get I get a lot of comments about getting to the point. So I'm going to get to the point. Today we're talking about self-discipline and this one matters to you because because I actually hear about this all the time. You guys, I'm going to be really honest with you. I do not I do not think of myself as a disciplined person, even though I 100% am. And I know that I have discipline. I know that I use self-discipline. And yet it's not necessarily like a title that I would give myself. It's not an adjective that I would use to describe myself necessarily. Although having done like the tiniest bit of research and really done some, some thought around this topic, I... I might start actually adding that to my resume. I might just go ahead and call myself a disciplined person. But the reason I was thinking about this, I received a comment somewhat recently from from somebody who, and it was a totally offhand thing. It wasn't like a, a question or a, it, it wasn't a big deal. It was just an offhand, oh, I wish I had your self-discipline. And I thought about that because it's something that I do hear, not all the time, but frequently enough that... I think about it when I hear it because I'm always like, gosh, I really don't, I really don't think of myself as a disciplined person necessarily. And so I started thinking about why, why that is, because sometimes there are two reasons why that might happen. Number one is that you, you fundamentally disagree with what the person is saying that, that you do not think of yourself as being, you know, whatever it is that they have called you. But the other reason is that sometimes we just don't we don't accept it yet. This is something that I thought about for a long time when I first started running. It took me months, months and months, probably even a year before I actually called myself a runner, before I used that as an identifying phrase. Even though I'd been running, I had run races, I had you know, trained regularly. I was dedicated to running. I enjoyed running. It was just hard for me at the time to call myself a runner. And sometimes that does happen where when we are new to something, it takes us a while to build up our belief in being that kind of a person. And so I was trying to decide, which one is it? Is it because this is not necessarily new to me, but because I simply haven't built up my my practice of believing that I am a disciplined person? Or was it something else? Do I fundamentally disagree with the idea of being self-disciplined? And I will tell you that it's something in between, because the more I thought about this, the more I decided that I really needed to go to the Googles. (laughs) You guys... I did what any good podcaster does. I went to Google and I was like, what is the actual definition of self-discipline and why would that either apply or not apply to me? 
So here it is. And I honestly, I really should have actually credited the actual source. I googled it and this was right at the top. And I don't know if this came from like Merriam-Webster or dictionary.com or some other source. But in any event, the very top definition of self-discipline on Google when you Google what is self-discipline is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite the temptation to abandon it. And, and I will tell you, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, I do kind of fundamentally disagree with this a little bit. And, and because I fundamentally disagree with it a little bit, it makes it hard to think of myself as a disciplined person. I would not necessarily define myself in this specific way. And here's why. The, the problem that I saw with this definition is what stood out to me immediately was the language that I perceived as very combative. When, when I think about controlling my feelings or overcoming my weaknesses, particularly when it says, in, despite the temptation to abandon it, to me, that really sounds like you are fighting with yourself, that you are in a struggle with thoughts and feelings and temptations that you wouldn't otherwise have control over unless you are exerting, you know, some, some control that takes a lot of effort. And I fundamentally disagree with that. I will tell you that the times in my life when I have had the most self-discipline, I was not fighting with myself at all. And in fact, I find the notion of fighting with yourself, I mean, especially in the, in the world of where we, we think of self-discipline as like this noble thing, like, oh, some people just really have a lot of self-discipline and that's so amazing. But to have, in my opinion, actual self-discipline, and self-discipline to me seems like, like a habit that you have built over time, something that you would do not just one time only, but something that you, you develop as a character trait. I will be honest with you, I don't think you can fight with yourself over a long period of time. Fighting with yourself simply isn't sustainable. It doesn't feel good. I mean, the most basic premise of psychology is that we seek pleasure and avoid pain. So in order to do something over the long term, it has to be pleasurable. It really does. And so the thought of self-discipline being in a constant, even even low-grade struggle with yourself because you are overcoming your weaknesses and controlling your feelings, that to me doesn't jibe. It doesn't go with what I think of as my, my personal ability to get things done, which you might call self-discipline. I've just called it my ability to get things done. <laughs> And the reason that I have been successful in a lot of ways, maybe not every single way, but in a lot of ways, is because I don't fight with myself. In fact, I go out of my way to work with myself so that I can be disciplined and get done the things that I want to get done. And so while I was turning this around in my mind and I was trying to figure out, like, 
what is it exactly that I have done that has helped me get to a point of of self-discipline in in the way that I, I'm going to keep using the phrase self-discipline. I mean, I titled the entire podcast self-discipline, but I want you to understand that when I am talking about self-discipline, I'm actually referring to, to my definition of working with yourself rather than fighting with yourself. So I did something that that I often do. And this is kind of to the aside, but I do think that this is such an important little nugget that I'm going to make time for it right here. When you find yourself either struggling or or trying to come up with a plan or a way to think about something, look at something that you have already been successful with. Look at your successes and pick them apart. This has been so incredibly helpful for me in so many ways. There have been a couple of times in my life that things have come I'm going to go ahead and say easily to me. That does not mean that they did not have any kind of obstacles, that I didn't have any kind of struggle, that I didn't have any kind of worries, that it was just handed to me on a silver platter, but rather that there have been a couple of times in my life where I had set goals and and they they came to me that I was capable of following through in a manner that over time felt good, felt pleasurable, felt doable, and then I got what I was aiming for. And so I picked those things apart. There are two times in my life when I have been really, really successful in a way that was not I'm going to say contrived, meaning that I didn't necessarily have a plan beforehand. The first time that I really lost weight and kept it up 14 years ago, I I went into it willy-nilly. <laughs> I, I, one day I said, I don't want to be this fat anymore. And then I just stuck with it come heck or high water until I got to where I wanted to be. And it was, it was something that honestly kind of amazed me because I didn't, I mean, looking back on it, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. And I said to my husband, I'm going on a diet and I'm going to lose weight. And then I ran to Walmart and bought a six pack of slim fast shakes. I mean, like there was, there was no thought in this at all. There was nothing that like I sat down and made a list and told myself this is how it's going to work and, you know, really thought about things. And, and yet nine months later, I had lost 30 pounds. I had discovered all kinds of things about myself and not necessarily my self-discipline, but kind of my self-discipline. I had discovered that I loved running. I had discovered that I was capable of doing things that I set my mind to. I mean, I, I came out of it a very changed person, having gone into it not knowing what in the world I was doing. The other time in my life that I was super successful was when I finally, finally qualified for the Boston Marathon, which by the way means that you needed to run a marathon at a particular speed. You qualify for Boston by by being fast is really what it comes down to. And this one had a lot more a lot more training, a lot more thought put into it. But the fact was that I had actually put in the training and what I thought was the thought 13 other times or 12 other times. It was my 13th attempt 
at qualifying for Boston that finally qualified me for Boston. And there was an elusive little piece of that that I, I picked apart later numerous times. In fact, there's at least one podcast, at least one podcast where I talk about this. And I will have a link for you in the show notes where I talk about the, the secret sauce, about how I had, I had put in all of the practical work but there was something in my mindset that needed to change. And in fact, we actually just talked about this somewhat recently because the story that I tell in that original podcast is about the the elephant and the rider. And it seems to me like we just... Did we just talk about this last week or two weeks ago? I think it was the episode Feelings, which was now a couple of weeks ago. I, I will link both of them so that you can you can listen to both of them. But the point being that there are other times in my life where I have I have really parsed apart qualifying for Boston and being able to lose weight to figure out what it was that actually worked. Because there are still some things about the process in both of those those episodes that that to me feels kind of magical. Like there was something that I did that I didn't necessarily do on purpose that made it happen, that made it move forward, that made it work. And I've been thinking about this again recently where I've really reorganized my own thought process on being productive. For many, many, many years, I have thought of myself as a procrastinator. And I do think that we've talked about this too. I can't come up with a specific episode off the top of my head where we've talked about how I see myself as a procrastinator and yet that is changing right now. Right now, truly, I need to stop using the word procrastinator and start calling myself a productive person because I get things done. <laughs> I, I have apparently developed self-discipline in getting tasks done because I do. Now, the thing is, behind the scenes, I still see myself procrastinating sometimes. I mean, I still see myself wasting time and kind of taking a little bit longer than I need to and thinking about other things and kind of putting things off a little bit. But big picture wise, I get things done. Case in point, this podcast. This podcast, I, I, I put off a little bit. It's slightly later in the week than it sometimes is. But it never occurred to me that I wasn't going to do it. I, I've been putting out a podcast every week for three years. In fact, almost three years. I just looked it up this morning. I started the Let's Run podcast the first week of October 2017. So I now have, this is episode number 133. I'm off by whatever that is, like 91 episodes or something. I did take time off. I took a scheduled break from the podcast in uh, December of 2019, last year, when, or actually I think it was November. Was it November? It was because then I came back on the 1st of December with the podcast only without the accompanying walk and run and everything else that I used to do. So yes, there have been changes and yes, there was a slight hiatus, but but the podcast, I mean, it gets done. It gets done. There's there's a, at least one new video that comes out on the Paula B Fitness channel every single week, no matter what, unless I announce that I'm taking a break for a specific reason. 
I get things done. So what's the secret sauce? What is the thing that rather than fighting against myself, I have found to work with myself? And here's what I came up with today. There might still be more secret sauces in here, but this is what I came up with when I was really considering this topic of self-discipline. The reason that I get things done is because I have made a decision. And I know that sounds incredibly simple. And you're like, well, yeah, of course you made the decision. I totally get that this does not sound groundbreaking. But I want you to think about how a decision feels. Actually, let's even start with with worse than that. Let's start with what indecision feels like. Very recently, my youngest son, who is now back at college, he got a lot of conflicting information all summer long about whether or not classes were going to be in person or online or some mix of the two. He is involved in ROTC at his college, which had already told them that it was going to be in person, that they were taking, you know, all the precautions that they needed to take, but that all of their, all of their training and functions and everything was going to be in person. So on the one hand, he, he knew that he really needed to be there, but on the other hand, everything that wasn't training is still online. So his classes are all online. He could do distance learning. And so for about two or three weeks, my son was just sitting in indecision. Do I move? Do I stay home? Do I move? Do I stay home? Because the college is far enough away that that he needs to actually be there in person if he's going to be there in person. And so he was looking at apartments and kind of trying to decide and then also kind of making arrangements to be at home and what he might be able to do for distance learning and having a job. And and he was so, I'm just going to say this because I don't think he listens to the podcast. He was so angry and unreasonable the entire time that he was in indecision. I know you know what this feels like when you are trying to decide and it feels like you're kind of stuck. There's pros and cons both ways. If I do this, this could work out. If I do that, that might work out. If I do this though, it might not work out. And here's the thing that could go wrong. And here's why I'm afraid to do that. And you know that gut-churning feeling that comes from being indecisive. You know what it feels like when you, when you don't know for sure what you want to do. When you make a decision, it's like a full stop. It, is, it, is, it fundamentally changes the way you think when you make a decision. It becomes, even though technically it's still an opinion, it becomes a fact in your mind that this thing is going to happen. It's just going to. And then, and then your brain can get to work on how. Okay, well, the podcast is going to be recorded. So when will I record it? What will the topic be? When will I edit it? How will I make the graphics? It's not a matter of if the podcast gets done. It's a matter of when. When you make a decision, it strips away all of the extraneous, indecisive thoughts and therefore 
feelings. When you have indecisive thoughts, you create, because thoughts create feelings, you create struggling feelings. When you have a decisive thought, what you create for yourself is a feeling of certainty, a feeling of knowing, a feeling of calmness, a feeling of, I, in some ways I think of it as like predestination. I, you can, you can believe that or not believe that, whatever it is. For me, that feeling of inevitability feels like calmness, feels like, I don't have to worry about this anymore, feels like you can take a deep breath and simply get on with the getting on rather than constantly thinking, what about this? What about that? What if I do this over here? What if I do that over there? When you make a decision, it strips away all all of the other things that feel like you are not self-disciplined. Making a decision is giving yourself the gift of discipline. But here's the thing about making a decision. It actually takes away the struggle. You are not controlling your feelings and overcoming your weaknesses. You've already done that. When you make the decision, you have created a thought and a feeling for yourself that is not a struggle anymore. Now, here's the thing about making a decision, though. I, I've, I've given you all the reasons why you want to make a decision, and you're like, okay, I'm totally on board. I know you are. I know you love the idea of having something decided and then done because it's going to feel nice and disciplined, and it's going to feel like, like you're just going to get what you want, and that's awesome, and that is what happens when you make a decision. But here's what I notice when, when we think we have made a decision but it's not. There are a couple of a couple of tells that you will be able to notice if you haven't really made the decision. Tell number 1. A decision has clear language. When you say something like, "Oh yeah, man, I really need to record this podcast." Or, "You know what? I'm I'm going to really try hard to lose weight this time." <laughs> I know you heard it the way I phrased that. <laughs> and I think I might have even gone on one of my rants before about the word try, because I do absolutely believe what Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. You don't try to do things. You either do them or you don't. You either make the decision or you are still undecided and you are still therefore creating indecisive feelings in your body because you have indecisive thoughts. So when, when you have clear language about your decision, there will be, there will be no, no guessing as to what it is exactly you are going for. I am losing weight. That's a decision. That's done. That's like, there's nothing, there's nothing about that. That's a maybe there's nothing about that. That's trying. I am losing weight. And I understand that that particular example might not conjure up for you personally, depending on your history, depending on, on things that have gone on in your life, and depending on what other thoughts you have about losing weight. But that sentence in and of itself, I am losing weight, all by itself, doesn't that 
create a sense of certainty in you? I am. I am. We had an entire podcast about this that I'm actually going to refer you to, Goal Language, that I love. It's, it's a really, in, in my opinion, it's an incredibly important episode because the language you use really matters. And at the time, I didn't explain it this way, but I'm going to tell you right now, after you go listen to that episode, here's why it matters. The language you use is a thought that you are having, and therefore it creates in you a feeling. Words, because they are thoughts, create feelings. So when you use really precise, clear, focused, decisive language, you will create for yourself clear, decisive feelings. You will create for yourself a feeling of certainty, of predestination or inevitability. I am losing weight really strips away a lot of a lot of doubts, a lot of indecisions, a lot of little petty things here and there that can derail you if you have not made the decision, if you have not been clear about what it is that you are going for. This is what happened to me when I lost weight 14 years ago. And in fact, even recently, I mean, when I lost weight recently, it took me five months to lose 10 pounds. It took me a really long time. There was, there was a lot of other things I needed to uncover in my own mind about other things that I was thinking. But the thing that carried me through was that I had made the decision. I was simply going to do whatever it took to get to the number that I was looking for. It wasn't, it wasn't a maybe. It wasn't a kind of. There was nothing indecisive about it. I had plenty of time to figure it out. I had the decision made. I was going to get there. And part of, for me personally, part of that decision created a feeling of patience in myself because I knew that there was some mindset issues. I mean, I... One of them really specifically, I've talked about this numerous times and I don't, I, I don't know what episode it would be specifically, but one of the, the issues that I knew I was having was that the weight that I wanted to get to was less than I weighed when my sister died. And I had bounced around the weight that I was when my sister died numerous times. And every time I got down to it, I bounced right back up because I had some thoughts in my mind about what it meant about me and about my relationship with my sister and how much it meant that I missed her and whether or not I could be happy and whether or not I could really have what I wanted and all kinds of thoughts that I knew were there. I mean, I absolutely knew they were there. And so when I made the decision that I'm going to go ahead and get down to the number that I really want to get to, which was slightly below the weight that I was when my sister died. And just to be super, super clear, totally not important, but I feel like I'm going to go ahead and say this anyways. The weight that I was when my sister died was actually the top end of my comfortable range. So when I talk about getting below that, I'm not I'm not actually trying to be like any thinner than I ever was before. The, the weight that I am is is the weight that I was for years and years and years. When my sister died, I was actually at the top end of it. So, so getting down below that 
is simply getting to what I consider a really normal weight for me. I, I know I don't need to justify that to you, but sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel like I'd like to explain myself slightly more just in case, I don't know, just in case you worry about me. I know that people do, and I know that you hear the things that I say from your own lens and from your own perspective. And sometimes when I don't explain myself very well, it leaves it really open to interpretation. Like, like, like I needed to be thinner than I was when my sister, sister died. No, what I wanted was simply to be what I considered a normal weight. There was a barrier there that was related to my sister's death. And that's where a lot of my mindset issues came from. Not, not the number that I eventually got to because that again, to me is a really normal weight. It's the weight that I was for years. Anyways, anyways, that was totally to the aside. But the clear language that I used was, I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight until I get to the weight that I wanted to get to. I am losing weight until I get to a really specific number, which of course is a range. <laughs> That's another aside. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that having that decision made helped me be really patient with all of the mindset stuff that came up along the way. When my weight was bouncing around and my, my day-to-day decisions were maybe sometimes I was doing exactly what I intended to do and maybe sometimes I wasn't, the overall decision of I'm losing weight kept me moving forward. And this is the other thing that I want to tell you about self-discipline. Self-discipline is not 100%. In the example that I just gave you, I had made the decision and I was super disciplined in the big picture. The big picture was that I was going to get down to the number that I wanted to get down to, the range that I wanted to get down to, and that I was going to do whatever it took, meaning, obviously, within healthy parameters, you guys. I don't think I need to clarify that, but I'm going to go ahead and clarify it anyways. I did not do anything extreme. I did not do anything crazy. I ate regular food. And this is what I'm about to tell you is that on the day to day, every single decision that I made, every single choice, there were plenty of times when I did not make choices that supported my overall decision of losing weight. There were, there were many. (laughs) Obviously it took me five months to lose 10 pounds. And really the first eight pounds came off like in the first six weeks. So there were many days and weeks even where I wasn't really drinking my water every single day, or I wasn't hitting my calories every single day, or I was having a snack in the evening that was outside of my, my, my target. There were plenty of choices that I made that did not reflect self-discipline in the moment, but the discipline, the decision kept me going. And this is something that I really think trips people up. If you are not a hundred percent perfect with every single choice you're making, that doesn't mean that you're not self-disciplined. Self-discipline is the big picture. It's not the little tiny things well, it is, but it's not being a hundred percent on every single thing, every single time. When you make the decision that you are losing weight or you are running a marathon, you are going to qualify for Boston, whatever, whatever your decision is, 
the self-discipline comes in when you just don't quit. When you don't take your own no for an answer. When you don't make the small choices mean anything other than, well, that choice didn't suit my overall goal. But I am losing weight. I am moving towards this thing that I want. The other thing, the other, the other tell for you here, it's related to the clear language. It's having the compelling feeling. The compelling feeling may or may not be the thing that you notice. Honestly, for different people, I, we've had this conversation. I am a feeling person. I notice my feelings very frequently before I notice my thoughts. You, you might notice your thoughts you might notice your feelings, or you might simply notice your actions, and that's going to be the next thing, the specific actions. But whichever one you notice, that's where you can pay attention and see whether or not you have actually been decisive, whether or not you have actually made a decision. A compelling feeling for me, like I said, is that feeling of certainty, that feeling of just destination. Like there was never, ever, even on a day when I had not had my water and I was sitting on the couch in the evening having a snack that was not on my protocol, I never, ever, ever doubted that I was losing weight. It just didn't even occur to me that it wasn't going to happen. I wondered how it was going to happen if I continued doing what I was doing right in that moment, absolutely. But I also was able to see the bigger picture of this is a day where I'm having a thought and a feeling that is creating for me this action of not following my protocol. And so I examined that because I had made the decision to lose weight. When you make the big decision, your your smaller actions, your smaller feelings, they're all just part of it. They all contain information. I made the decision that I was losing weight and then I paid attention to all the times that I made choices that didn't support me losing weight. I learned so much about myself with the times that I didn't do what I thought I was going to do. Which brings me to the specific actions. When you make a decision about what you want, losing weight, running a 5k, qualifying for Boston, whatever it is, getting a million subscribers, there will be really specific actions and you'll know more or less what they are. And I'm not, I'm not trying to parse apart like every single little thing that you might need to do. Losing weight, we've talked about this so many times. You need to eat the right number of calories, exercise moderately, drink your water, get some sleep, mind your stress. Those actions are really straightforward. And honestly, those actions are super straightforward for almost any goal you want. You want to run a 5k? You have to fuel for that. You have to recover for that. You have to mind how much you're working out and you have to train really specifically. They're very, they're, they're similar, but marginally different. In order to get a million subscribers, I have to be consistent. I have to watch my mental stress. I have to think about what my audience wants. I have some parameters for my specific actions. When you are moving a direction, there's a way to get there. And sometimes we get really tripped up in this. Sometimes we get so mired up in the, I have to give up bread or I have to, 
I don't know, exercise for an hour a day, or I have to do 10,000 steps. Sometimes the specific actions aren't necessarily getting us towards our big goal. I am losing weight. The specific actions are going to, are going to be your guideline, but they're not going to be your be all and your end all. The actions that you take are probably going to change over time and you're going to need to pay attention to whether or not they're getting you where you want to go. The actions that you take are important, but also they're, well, they're important in order to get you where you're going, but they're also important for information. I had some really specific actions that I was taking when I was losing weight. I was eating the right number of calories most of the time. I was drinking my water most of the time. I was careful about my sleep. That one, uh, that one I'm always careful about my sleep. Sleep has always been a priority for me. I was managing my stress most of the time. I had the specific actions that I wanted to be doing that most of us think of as the self-discipline part of getting to what we want. But there were lots of times when I didn't actually do those actions or I made choices that were outside that realm. It doesn't mean that the actions were wrong and it doesn't mean I didn't make the decision. It means that there was information to be had. When you make a decision, yes, you give yourself some relatively specific actions to get to where you want to go, but you can also really pay attention. This is, this is the tell that I'm talking about. If those actions on a daily basis feel really difficult, your decision hasn't really been made. Your decision hasn't really been finalized in your mind. When you feel like you are struggling with the self-discipline part of controlling yourself by doing specific actions, that's how you know that you need to make your decision. The decision that you make is going to be so much better for you than self-discipline. I'm actually going to, I'm going to leave it here for now. I was thinking I, I could get deeper into these woods, but I know that I've already given you enough to think about right now. And so therefore I really want you to share with me, what decision are you making and how can that help you with your self-discipline? I hope you'll share it with me. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.